Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Paratruthers. This week's episode is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth. With their help, we are continuing to bring amazing new content to our listeners every week. So if you feel the urge to donate, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth, where you can just donate only a dollar and get some amazing rewards for your donation. Go check it out. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Parachute Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we're kicking off a brand new season. This is season six, and perhaps it's going to be one of our longest seasons, because we're going to be taking this right through each and every holiday from now in October to January 1st. So it'll be a good, long, fun time with a lot of holidays to really spice up the horror side of things. <laughs> All those joyful, colorful holidays. You imagine a horror, horrific Christmas is what we're going <laughs> to... Couple months, couple of months. Yeah, and you know, I think we talked about this on a couple episodes back. How it's not even Halloween yet, and some of these stores already have Christmas out and mm-hmm. Christmas and Halloween, and it's like, can can we just get through one before we worry about the next? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like a real life nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> The, the title of this season I thought was appropriate the holiday season because we're going through uh, and I mean we won't hit like Columbus Day because I don't think there's really a whole lot of paranormal when it comes to <laughs> Columbus Day but um, you know Halloween is by far our favorite other than Christmas of course um, mm-hmm. and Something that uh, we decided to do this year is kind of go over some of the the creatures, if you will, that we, we really haven't touched a whole lot of base on. Um, but really quick, uh, we had a really awesome comment that I wanted to share on air. It was from uh, Duke at Paranormal Forum. He said... I very much enjoyed this program. I'm not one who listens to a lot of paranormal radio shows slash podcasts. And if I do, it's seldom about ghosts in the cause of this show. However, you and your co-host put forth a program that fused spooky stories from your childhoods with your latter day sense of wonder about what you experienced. Nicely done. Glad I tuned in. Hope to catch more of you guys down the road. And that was a comment on, Haunted Ghost Stories, True Ghost Stories, Haunted Objects, and Shadows, where we talked about, like, the Ouija board 
or no, that was the previous one, but we talked about your haunted object that you had as a kid and yeah. the shadow people and whatnot that we saw. So really awesome comment and Duke, thanks so much for listening and uh, commenting. Getting into Halloween, I decided what better way to start out than with ghouls and goblins because they're not ones you hear too much about and I mean I tried looking up and Eric maybe you saw something that I didn't but I tried looking up how ghouls and goblins got associated with Halloween have you ever come across Mm -hmm. anything about that not particularly no but there's a couple of uh, horrific creatures that you know Halloween just people dressing Halloween and horror you know yeah you know I mean they both have um ancient uh, uh, origins. Right. So they've been around a long time, but coming to America was relatively recently. Uh, and so naturally, I mean, when you think about it, like how many of us really knew growing up what a ghoul was? Right. Yeah. Not me. You know I mean? We always heard the goblin and ghouls type of thing. Every Halloween, goblins and ghouls are going door to door, uh, you know, and whatnot. And it's it was always like this fantastical idea of what a goblin and a ghoul was as a child. But now having more information and understanding the research that has to be put into to find out what they are, you start to realize that maybe uh, goblins and ghouls aren't the most cherishable things for Halloween, especially the ghoul, because it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was interesting to research this because, I mean, I, I know that, like, for example, the goblin goes back quite a ways, but it also spans many parts of Europe in particular. Um, the mm-hmm. lore behind it. So, I guess let's start out with the goblin. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a goblin is, uh, it's a monstrous creature that dates back to European folklore and first attested in stories from the Middle Ages. They ascribed various inflicting abilities, temperaments, and appearances depending on the story and country of origin. They are almost always small and grotesque, mischievous or outright malicious, and greedy, especially for gold and jewelry. Now, something that actually pops into my mind for this is the um, um, the gremlin that we talked about in mm-hmm. World War Paranormal, and mm-hmm. how they're kind of like more of a, a trickster uh, type creature. Uh, yeah. They kind of go along the lines of the brownie, the dwarf, the gnome, imp, uh, some that, and I really don't know a whole lot about it, the kobolds. Um, it's interesting that it, it's got that. And it also said in the research, too, that it, it's similar to a fairy or even demon in nature. Right. So, interestingly enough... Um, it goes into several areas, like I said, Germany, uh, England, or Anglo-Scottish, Anglo-Saxon. Uh, a red cap is a type of goblin who dyes its hat red in human blood. Hobgoblins go back to Scottish-English lore, and it was kind of a trickster. Uh, Erkling is a malevolent goblin from Germany and you've also got King Gob from Moldavia and 
mill goblins from Norway, and goblins also are in Danish folklore. <laughs> What's some of the stuff that you came across for them? Well, I mean, as you said at the beginning of the episode or before we even got on, is that there just really isn't a whole lot of information on goblins. And, and the information that there is is a lot of speculation. It doesn't go back uh, into ancient history. It's more of like all these different ideas or beliefs coming together to create a new belief and then that belief being combined with something else to create another belief. And then you have to wonder, okay, well, where's the truth? Because that's what we do on the show. We want to find out the truth. Um, one of the things that I use a lot uh, when doing some of my research is the Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica. I love that resource. It's a good resource. Um, but one thing that I noticed that's really interesting to me, especially as paranormal investigators, uh, goblins, as you'd mentioned, they tend to be kind of mischievous. Uh, they do a lot of like, oh... They're believed to bang upon pots and pans, snatch night clothes off of bodies of sleeping people, move furniture. Uh, they seem to flee after rapping on walls and doors. It's kind of weird, and it also kind of resembles a couple of other things, such as the gremlin, as you had mentioned, who more or less is more of like a destruct <laughs> destructor. You know, uh, gremlins used to tear apart the airplanes in World War II, or believed to. Uh, but it also really reminds me of the poltergeists. And who really do the same things? A lot of the moving things, tricksters. Uh, and you have to wonder, as an investigator, when you're investigating a poltergeist, how do you know or can you figure that it's a poltergeist and not a goblin, if goblins are real? And are they one and the same or are they different? Because there's strong belief. Like growing up, I always thought a goblin was a physical being. Right. And I think even today we still believe that. But it's believed to be a spirit of some sort. Uh, so can a poltergeist actually be a multitude of spirits who are tricksters or are they simply goblins or are they one and the same? Well, I mean, a lot of the stuff we, we talk about, you almost wonder if somehow it's kind of all the same thing, just changing shape, depending on where you're from and what your beliefs are. Yeah, it's really like it. They all kind of intersect. It's like this giant web, you know, this giant spider web, and each crossing intersects with another, and they become either something similar or something completely different, but they still carry on the similar traits as they move on to the next prospect, you know, uh, which is really weird and crazy <laughs> when you think about it, because there's so much information out there and so many different creatures, but all these creatures tend to be very, very similar in so many different ways. Well, and it, interestingly enough, I mean, the goblin in particular actually goes into a lot of the pop culture that we have today. I mean, it's uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, Labyrinth. You had the Goblin King with his little goblin minions that <laughs> kidnapped a baby. And I, nowhere in the Lord did, did I ever see that they kidnapped children or anything like that. Maybe it you came across something like that, but no, not for goblins. Goblins have been, uh, they seem to be kind of known to help parents in disciplining children. Uh, it's at least there's some belief that the goblin will present presents to kids for good behavior, uh, and then end up punishing them when they're disobedient. Now, how they punish them, I don't know. I don't know if like a punishment is going and eating the child, like we would see with other creatures. Um, but I don't know. It's weird because yeah, there are there are uh, 
people out there who believe the goblin to be strictly an evil creature. And yet when we go back to the ancient folklore, we see that it's a mischievous creature, malicious, uh, but also can be quite helpful in raising children to some extent. So looking through the different research and stuff, I always do this. I always try and figure out like how people came up with how these things look or what, how they came up with the lore in general. Um, do you think that somebody actually saw something like this and then started interacting with it? Do you think it's more just fairy tales and people's imaginations or kind of a mixture of both or, I mean, we can always say it's a mixture of both because we can't really say one way or the other. Um, but I've never seen a goblin. I've heard stories. We've had people send us pictures of goblins or of gnomes and things like that. Uh, we got a picture about two years ago, I think, of a little gnome figure that was like supposedly running across a yard. Yeah. Uh, it was a night photo. Um, but, you know, I, I'd really like to say that I think it's all, a lot of it is um, of the fairy tale. A lot of it is just make-believe and people came up with these things. And you and I have discussed in the past how some of these make-believe creatures can become real when enough people start believing in it. Uh, now, that doesn't mean they're actually physically real or even spiritually real, but perhaps they are real in the person's mind and hence will show up. And how many times again do we see things when our minds are getting a little, you know, we start getting freaked out. We're scared we're going to see something and then we start seeing something, you know. Right. Yeah. You, you see a spider and immediately you think it's crawling all over you, but it's like 40 feet away. It's, I mean, kind of like when we were talking about in the, uh, haunted campfire stories, the classic one that you read about the, the spot candy man or the, Oh, the spot. Yeah. 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 Let's not talk about the spot. <laughs> Let's forget about that. Let's forget about that. <laughs> but I mean, it, you think about the haunted ghost stories as well and people's fears and that plays on somebody's mind to the point that whether it's real or real to them, they start to see it and believe that it is real. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think there is some sort of realism to it regardless of, you know, you may not believe in it, but if I do, there's still a realism there. Uh, and I think it just comes down to ultimately what the belief is and how that belief affects you as a person and your life you know, moving forward. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see that the, I mean, it has worked its way in like into so many different things in fiction and, and um, pop culture now. And, you know, it, we got Harry Potter where there's goblins, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings. It, it's just interesting. And I, I honestly don't remember. Did you ever dress up as a goblin as a kid? I don't remember ever dressing up as a goblin. But no. then there's to say no. that what if goblins? But I was always scared to go outside on Halloween because of the goblins and the ghouls. <laughs> like, I mean, you remember like. <laughs> Where, where where your brother lives now. I mean, when I walked out of that house when I was a kid, you know, when I used to live there, for those of you who are like, well, what do you mean your brother, his brother's house? But I used to live there when I grew up. His brother lives there now. But when I used to walk out onto that street, like, you got the street lights, but here's the problem with street lights. 
it tends to make everything else around the light darker. So when you're looking into someone's backyard and you see nothing but blackness, you start to think, what if there's a goblin or a ghoul like walking towards me right now and I can't see it because my eyes can't adjust. And uh, yeah, man, going outside on Halloween was frightening, (laughs) especially after trick-or-treating was done. Well, some of the stuff that you would come across as a kid, I mean, I feel the stuff that we saw as kids was mild in comparison to what we have today. I mean, yeah, you did have those people that were dressing up with the half of the face missing and, you know, whatever. But, um, I mean, it's come become so much more gruesome today than it was when we were kids. Well, yeah. Now, now everybody wants to do gruesome stuff. When I was a kid, I mean, one of my highlights was dressing up as the Riddler. <laughs> I had this bright orange hair and a Riddler costume. <laughs> like, that's what kids used to dress up as. And now it's it's like blood bats walking down the street. Right. Well, I remember the one year my mom dressed me up, um, made the costume for, for me to be the wolf man. Mm-hmm. And then another year when I was in middle school, I was the hunchback of Notre Dame. And yeah. today... I was a... Go ahead. Oh, I'm just thinking today it's like you don't I mean, people probably do still still make their costumes, but it's just it's nothing compared to like stuff that I would have done back then. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my probably my number one highlight of all my costumes ever was when uh, our aunt made me a raptor, a velociraptor costume. This giant had this huge tail. It's from Jurassic Park, a Jurassic Park raptor. It was the greatest gift in the universe. And I had it like way before these T-Rex costume things are like running around on the <laughs> internet. Now, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> and it was the best thing ever. I wear it on I wore it on Halloween. I'd wear it after Halloween. I wore it all the time. Just be a raptor. <laughs> Great stuff. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. (laughs) All right. Well, like we already said, I mean, there's not a whole lot on goblins. Um, There's really not a whole lot on ghouls either. So this will be a little bit of a shorter episode for you guys. But um, that's all I really came across as, for Goblin. Um, and, I mean, like I, like I said at the very beginning in the description, it even links back to, like, a fairy or even demon in nature. If you see, like, the 19th century illustration of a goblin, mm-hmm. almost looks like what we picture how a lot of the demonic pictures that come back from yeah. the 19th century. Well, and you think 
Exactly. And I think that's part of it. Like a lot of those creatures look very similar back then, uh, especially the fairy type creatures, uh, whether that be the demons or angels or otherwise. Uh, so now as time has moved on and we're here in the 21st century, we see a significant difference between those creatures. Goblins are, I think, a little, I mean, they're still hideous, but a little less hideous than what they were. They're, they're, they're used in children's fairy tales more now. I mean, Harry Potter, as you mentioned, is one of the biggest ones. You know, you can't use something extremely frightening for Harry Potter for obvious reasons. Not that there isn't frightening things in there for kids, but um, I mean, the Dracnid thing? Mm-mm. The giant spiders in Harry Potter? Forget that. That's, that's too much for me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, why don't we go ahead and move on to Ghoul? Alright. Because what would be Halloween without the Ghoul? Alright, tell us a little <clears throat> bit about the Ghoul. So in popular legend, the ghoul is a demonic being believed to inhabit burial grounds and other deserted places. Now, in ancient Arabic folklore, ghouls belong to a diabolic class of jinn uh, and were said to be the offspring of Iblis, the prince of darkness in Islam. Now, they were capable of constantly transforming, uh, in other words, changing their shape, but their presence was always recognizable by their unalterable sign, which was a donkey's hoof. Uh, it was the only thing that they couldn't change, which is kind of weird. You yeah. change everything, but not the hoof. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but now, by the the ancients often considered the ghoul to be female uh, in majority. Uh, it was often confused with Sila, who, who was also female. Uh, but the Sila was a witch-like species of jinn, as opposed to the demonic, you know, devil-like creature. Uh, now, a ghoul stalked the desert, often in the guise of an attractive woman, trying to distract travelers, and when successful, killed and ate them. Now, the sole defense that one had against a ghoul, which is interesting, listen up, in case you ever catch a ghoul, sole defense against a ghoul was to strike it dead in one blow, because a second blow would only bring it back to life again. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> the ghoul as a vivid figure in the I believe it's pronounced Bedouin Bedouin I apologize if I'm not saying that correctly um, I don't know I'm not sure uh, but the figure in that in the imagination appeared in pre-Islamic Arabic poetry notably that of the Tabata uh, Sharan now in North Africa it was easily assimilated into an ancient Berber uh, folklore already rich in demons and fantastic creatures Modern Arabs use ghoul to designate a human or demonic cannibal and frankly, frequently employ the word to frighten disobedient children, which is not unlike, again, our goblin. Uh, now, the word entered English tradition eventually and was further identified as a grave-robbing creature that feeds on dead bodies and on children. But in the West, ghouls have no specific image and have been described as neither man nor woman, neither brute nor human. That's per Edgar Allan Poe. So there are thought to so they are thought to assume disguises of some sort and to ride on dogs and hares and to set fires at night to lure travelers away from the main roads, where they'll pick them up and eat them. Hmm. Yeah, just stew a look at that stew a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, some of the stuff I came across, too, is they uh, drink blood mm-hmm. and steal coins as well. Mm-hmm. And 
it's the one thing as as you were talking is I thought of is you know we we've, we've got the zombies that crave living flesh and then we've got the ghoul here that craves dead flesh which is interesting right yeah and then it this so topic if or that's article the case blood, but is he and so that that's a good thing because if that's the case if the 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 zombie eats living flesh and the ghoul eats dead flesh all we need to do during a zombie apocalypse is wrangle up all the ghouls and set them out to eat all the zombies <laughs> and then we don't have to worry about it i mean we'll eventually have to kill the ghouls too because you know you can't have ghouls around just randomly eating so your, can eat something else you know deceased whatever <laughs> but you know we now we now we got a we got a game plan it's good <laughs> this is good <laughs> Now the question is: Is how do you find a ghoul? Did you come across anything for that? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm working on. I think we got some time before zombie apocalypse. I hope. Uh, you know. Never know. I mean, with the the world today, we're getting pretty close to some type of, of apocalypse. <laughs> so something that I have seen, and I don't know if you came across it in the research for this episode, but a lot of times a ghoul is associated with a a vampire. Mm-hmm. And uh, what the lore behind that is is a vampire feeds a human their blood, but doesn't drink of them, and it, the ghoul becomes the slave of the vampire. Um, still, kind of the same retrospect where they eat dead flesh and um, kind of all the same stuff, but they don't grow fangs. They don't. Um, they they start to decay eventually and start losing body parts and that sort of thing. Whereas the vampire, even though the ghoul, as far as I'm aware, is immortal and they live forever, the vampire is more of a, I guess today a beautiful thing. I don't I don't think it was so much in the past, but today it, it's the vampire who's the beautiful one and the ghouls who are these ugly, disgusting things. Yeah, yeah, you see that a like a lot in some of the some of the newer mythos, especially. Right. Um, you know, I mean, in the past we see, for example, Dracula, one of the best stories probably ever created. Um, Bram Stoker, Dracula's feeding off of people; he's drinking blood. Um, but in some modern mythos, the vampire doesn't simply drink blood, but instead only bites to turn his. His associates, I guess, uh, and I'm actually—it's funny that you bring that up because I'm watching Penny Dreadful right now, mm. um, and that's one of the things that happened. There's a whole bunch of ghouls, and Dracula showed up, and he's managing all the ghouls. He's turning them, and then they're doing his bidding for him, uh, and all he does is feed them a little bit of blood every once in a while uh, from his own wrist. So it's really interesting that you brought that up, and I don't know where or why or how that. Uh, that myth, I guess, became transfigured and started changing as it has. Uh, because I remember when I was a kid, vampires are probably one of the top scariest creatures in the world, and now it's they're not, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I think what it kind of dates back to, you brought up Dracula, um, mm-hmm. Bram Stoker. Uh, the character Renfield mm-hmm. in Dracula is kind of a sense, a ghoul, and I don't know if that's where it originates, but that particular uh, 
uh, incarnation of what a ghoul would be, as we were just talking about, is kind of where I kind of see it starring. I don't, I haven't seen anything in any other lore, like the the older lore, that would suggest a vampire is anywhere involved. Pre-Islamic Arabia, I mean, dates back even further than the vampire lore. Vampire is only actually more recent, 17th to 19th century, that it originated from. So, how or why a ghoul got associated, other than maybe, like I said, it was just the Dracula story that associated the ghoul, I didn't come across anything that would suggest that a ghoul is anywhere associated with a vampire prior to that story other than, like I said, I came across that they actually drink blood, too. Right. So. Anything else that you came across? No. The ghoul is pretty cut and dry. Okay. Well, Minus its wet appetite for dead flesh and blood. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Do you think that somewhere in lore that the ghoul and the zombie are somehow related? Uh, yeah, I think this, to some extent. From. Yeah, I think to some extent. Um, obviously, I think they're very different creatures uh, just based on their appetite style, but the fact that they both more or less live within cemeteries or graveyards, uh, they both eat flesh or in this case, brains for one of them, uh, both consume blood. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are, that are like, again, similarities between them, but yet still have a vastly different, uh, I guess, traits, vastly different traits. Um, a zombie has always been kind of seen as this, at least in the old, the older mythos, uh, has always been kind of a dumb creature, something that doesn't really think much. Its only need is to feed, and it moves very slowly to get there. Uh, where a ghoul tends to be a quicker species and thinks on its feet to lure people in. It's like a like a spider luring its prey into a trap uh, before it finally grabs them and consumes them. So there is that. There is, I think there's a big difference there for sure. I was trying to think of like anything rational that the ghoul, like where it originated as far as the lore came from and like, for example, we see the vampire lore, and a lot of people had believed that because of the plague. And mm-hmm. the, these bodies were bleeding, so they thought they were still alive and whatnot. Um, I didn't come across anything that would suggest any rational explanations to it. Um, but what are your thoughts on that as far as the ghoul lore like would there be anything that we could associate in reality that would explain the ghoul lore today like today's time like right now well just explain or yeah like what we know of of that time what would have caused oh at the time yeah uh grave robbers most likely i mean if i had to make an assumption i would say probably grave robbers that's a good way to start a interesting story. And actually, in today's time, uh, there are some grave robbers or people who uh, 
have a fascination with dead things are often known as ghouls, uh, which is a vastly different termination compared to what we're talking about. But it's that same sense. They're, they're known as ghouls today because of their fascination with the dead or because of their whatever stealing things in the grave. So, Right, yeah. Well, I mean, there have been uh, serial killers. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he, he would do grave robbery and kind of like uh, a lot of the, the movies Psycho is one in particular that is associated with him and t- uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre he would make like uh, lampshades out of people's skin and uh, he actually had a woman's body that he was being I'll be really clean and say being intimate with um and I mean, maybe it goes even further to say that maybe it was a grave robber who was mentally ill and decided mm-hmm. to start eating dead flesh of humans, cannibalistic type stuff. So, um, and I think like the ghoul, like to to link it to Halloween dressing up and stuff. The goal would be kind of close to stuff that we kind of see today. Um, I, I think zombies are more accurate of, of descriptions of what a lot of people dress up as, but um, in most of the descriptions I've seen, I've seen people dress up where it's almost ghoulish in na- nature, where it's like kind of sunken skin, but they don't have the dead eyes that a lot of people <laughs> associate with zombies. Because, I mean, some people play zombies really well, like to the point it almost saturates their personal life and they're dumb and trying to eat brains and stuff. It's really weird. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, anything more that you can think of on ghouls and goblins? No. They're just a really good way to kick off the Halloween season. <laughs> I can't think of a better a better topic. So, uh, doing the Halloween stuff and and remembering and we've done this on, on past episodes for Halloween, but um, we've talked about the different costumes. But here's a question for you, and. It, gets into to your field of mm-hmm. study. Is there any movies coming out for the Halloween season other than, of course, Halloween? Halloween. <laughs> that that looks interesting to you? Uh, movies, no. Not particularly. At least not in movie theaters, but TV shows. Netflix, in particular, has some interesting stuff coming out. Uh, probably the one I'm looking most forward to is uh, uh, Sabrina. Uh, yeah, that which is a interesting. Yeah, so definitely looking forward to that. That that's kicking off, I think, within the next two sometime within the next two weeks, maybe two weeks or not kicks off. I can't remember offhand. Yeah, uh, it may be later. It may be later. There's a few things happening. I know there's something coming out on the 26th, which could be Sabrina. I don't know for sure. Um, and then there's a. Uh, I want to say. Haunted Hill, something like that, is coming out. It's another TV show, I think, though. 
a lot of TV shows. Netflix does more TV shows than they do movies these days. <laughs> kind of annoying. Like, I love TV shows. I like TV shows more than movies. Honestly, I do. I like series. But when it comes to Halloween, I just want movies because I can't. I don't want to con- do a horror based show beyond Halloween. You know, there's other kind of movies during Halloween and less TV shows, but. Right. Actually, it's not going to happen. It's funny that uh, you brought up Sabrina because it's not the Melissa Joan Hart Sabrina where it's cutesy TGI Friday uh, material. It's really, really dark. And that's why I find it (laughs) super fascinating. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Another one that's coming out, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but. If you, if you guys like anime, Castlevania, the second season of Castlevania is coming out. It's probably going to be another four episodes. I finally just watched the first four episodes two days ago, and it was great. It was really good. Uh, kind of takes you back to the old days, you know, with the Castlevania games, but it's in the games, I think. There's actually one coming out called Haunted, which is kind of like a docudrama. Uh, it's kind of like what we see on TV, you know? Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if this is going to be based on like real experiences or is it going to be a narrative all shot through like, like your can like through a documentary style, you know, those things. Um, yeah, those are really the... And then the last one is The Haunting of Hill House. That's the one I was trying to say. I said The Haunting Haunting Hill or whatever. The Haunting of Hill House is a is one that's coming out that I'm actually really looking forward to as well. Uh, and it's based on Shirley Jackson's 1959 horror novel. Uh, this is actually one that's really interesting because I put a... There, there was a uh, contest a couple of weeks ago where you can sign up to try to win and go watch The Haunting of Hill House in uh, Massachusetts at a Victorian house uh, for two days. So we'll see if I win that. I don't know, but it looks like a pretty interesting And is that a series or is that a movie? It's a 10-episode TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's actually kind of interesting that you're looking forward to more of the TV (laughs) shows than the movies. Just, yeah, I mean, I, I like the TV shows. I'd like to see more movies, but honestly, like, nobody's making them right now. They're just, they're just making TV shows that all look good. And I, the reason I prefer TV shows, like overall, is you get better, uh, you, you build a better connection with the characters because you're with them longer. More story. Where a movie, yeah. exactly. Where like a movie, I'm like, can I really be sad for this character? I've known them for like literally 45 minutes. <laughs> Like, why do I feel bad about that relationship? <laughs> but when you're watching somebody for like 70 plus hours, like, like, dang, I can't believe that just happened, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I'm just weird. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't know. I would agree there. You are weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any classics you're going to be watching during the holiday season? Hocus Pocus. I consider that a classic. <laughs> Got to watch Hocus Pocus every Halloween. Um, the Wolfman. I think I might watch the original Wolfman. 
Uh, I can get that on Stars. So I'm probably going to watch that within the next, maybe within the next few days. We'll see. Um, going to go see Halloween. So that's not really a classic, but you know, they, the new one. I mean, I wouldn't say the new one. If the old one's on, which I'm, I know it's going to be eventually, I might watch that too. We'll see. Um, other than that, probably maybe The Shining. I don't know. I don't know. I like to flip through all the uh, Netflix things and see what they've got. But the Wolfman for sure. I think for sure uh, Sabrina is going to be a good one. Um, we want to go see Halloween just because, I mean, I've seen most of the other ones. Yeah, they're all kind of the same, but this is supposed to be a climax, so we'll see. Well, not just a climax, but it, it, it erases all the other shows, uh, movies except for the first one. Oh. So this movie, the new Halloween, is the sequel to the first Halloween. Every Halloween in between them doesn't exist in this universe. Not even H2O? None of it. None of it. Huh. It's all been completely erased. So those are all standalones compared to these two. So now it's basically just Halloween and Halloween. <laughs> you got the first Halloween and the second Halloween. That's it. Everything else is of no concern. Interesting. I, I didn't even realize that. Because I, I saw the trailer, but I didn't realize that mm-hmm. it's supposed to be almost a direct sequel. Yeah. Hmm. See, I think it'll be good. I'm going to go see it on October 30th, so that'll be fun. <laughs> all right, folks. That's all we got for you this week. Until next week, where we will be doing some more Halloween stuff. You'll find the same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.